0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast, A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website at www.PresetMinistries.ca to get more details and register now. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Come participate in one of our workshops happening all across Canada. Visit our website for more details. Also head over to our website if you're interested in hosting some of the training that Preset Ministries offers. Are you interested in partnering with us and engaging people in relationship with God through monthly giving? Then be a part of our E-team. You can visit our website for more details at www.preceptministries.ca. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews.
1: Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, Unlocking the Truth podcast, episode 9 of 11 total episodes in the book of Hebrews. I mean, we're almost finished walking through the book of Hebrews. Last week, we looked at covenant. Previous to that, we looked at how do we approach a holy God. This week, this, this is the week that I have been waiting for. Look, if you are an athlete of any type, you get excited about moving into this, um, Few verses in the book of Hebrews. We'll get there. We'll get to chapter twelve, verses one and two. One and two by the end of this episode. And I pray that as we dig into uh, the scriptures today, that God would open your eyes and would encourage you to uh, live uh, by faith. And so let's pray and then dig right in. Father, we do thank you for the time that we have to be able to um, study the word, but also. Uh, walk through the verses. We thank you for the technology that you've given us to be able to uh, broadcast this out over the internet. Father, I pray for the people who are listening, that they've been encouraged by what they're hearing in Hebrews. But Father, most importantly, beyond encouragement, that their life is being transformed by your word. So as we walk through scriptures again today, open our eyes, Lord. Give us understanding. Give us the wisdom to be able to discern Uh, the truth of your word and then live it out in jesus name we pray amen we've looked at over the number of weeks we've looked at um, some of the encouragements that come through the book of hebrews there's uh, stand firm and hold hold fast that you should have confidence that you should continue to you know to walk and and go in the ways of the lord pay attention to what the lord says Um, let us hold fast all these uh, let us within the scriptures. I remember K. Arthur teaching this once at a conference and saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna make a salad, and so we're gonna look for all the places within the Bible that talk about let us," and so you've come through a number of these great encouragements. We know that the entire book of Hebrews is an exhortation and encouragement for people to press on within the difficult times. We also know that there are some stern warnings within Hebrews that we be sure to enter into uh, the Lord's rest, that we be sure that we don't fall away, that we don't shrink back, that we are uh, fully um grasp in the hands of God that we are truly children of God be confidence of your of your salvation and so we come to the verses that we want to look at this week which are a contrast to the to the warning that we've just walked through in previous weeks and so uh, a few weeks ago we looked at the the whole idea of apostasy and walking away but also um, looking at the very fact that there are those who, Uh, profess to know God with their mouths, but within their actions they don't know God and therefore they're not really saved. We've discussed that in our uh, topics in the past. Um, In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, previous to verse 32, there is this grave warning about falling to apostasy. That means an outright rejection of the truth. Even though you've got it all before you and you know it, uh, you just choose not to live a life of... um, what a child of God would live. You, you've chosen to deny truth and and just walk away from it forever. So there's this grave warning that comes beforehand, but now in 32, it starts with the word but. So chapter 10, verse 32, uh, but, you know, when you're studying through scripture, you know that's a contrast. So previous, uh, I'm warning you about the seriousness of falling away. Uh, th- verse 32, I'm about to encourage you, uh, and tell you uh, some of the good things in the ways to live. And so in verse 32 um, of chapter 10, let me read it for you. But remember the former days, when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by, by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who uh, were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. uh, That you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have a need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so we'll we'll stop there for a minute. And what we've got in this first statement is the contrast, okay? So, so when we look back through Hebrews, let's look at some of the things that these people were enduring. They were enduring uh, the difficulties of uh, false teaching. They were going through some very difficult struggles. They were suffering for the gospel. There were those who were outright rejecting the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, and completely walking away. Uh, The whole passage in the whole text is, pay close attention to what Jesus is saying. He's the last one who's going to speak, and therefore be assured of your salvation. And so what he's saying here in verse 32, is he's saying, remember the former days. Ah, can you think back? Can you think back and... And I always think about my dad and and my uncles and uh, my family members that would come to me and say things like, Ah, do you remember the good old days? The good old days when I could go to the movies for 25 cents. That Coke was a nickel. I remember the days of when I put Sears catalogs in the insides of my boots to, to give me insulation so my toes wouldn't be cold. You know, I had to walk to school. It was uphill, and when I walked home from school, it was uphill too. I remember when I used Sears catalogs for goalie pads. Ah, the good old days. Remember those days? You see what the author of Hebrews, he's he's actually telling the people that are having difficulties. The ones that who are kind of wavering and rocking around that they need to have confidence and they need to be in, able to endure through some of the difficult things that they're going through. And he's saying, "Ah, oh, hey, do you remember? Do you remember back when you were running well? Do you remember when you were first enlightened by the truth of the gospel, that you endured great conflict and suffering? Do you remember that you were made a public spectacle, that you went through tribulations? You you shared in that, partly by others who were sharing in that? Do you remember that? Hey, do you remember when you showed sympathy for the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one was coming? Do you remember those days? It seems to indicate that what the author of Hebrews wants the people to understand is, let's go back And maybe you're wavering. Maybe you're struggling in your faith. Maybe you're finding it very difficult to live by faith right now. Maybe you're having a difficult time living with that eternal perspective. Maybe you're like Peter who's walking on the water and you're seeing the storms on either side of you and you're wondering, is this really all worth it? Are you thinking about, oh my gosh, you know what? It would be so easy to go back to the way that I used to live before Christ it was easier then because I could do whatever I wanted. It was a time when I determined what was truth and when my actions were proper. But the minute I became a Christian and I fully became understanding of, of what God's word wanted me to do, this is a lot harder. This process of sanctification, who huh. You mean I have to get rid of certain things in my life to live a life that brings glory and honor to Christ? Maybe there's a point in some of these people, the warning before is they never really came to a full salvation in Jesus, but they got to the points of where they uh, understood truth, but they never accepted truth. They never let it sink deep down. I think back to when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who uh, come after me must take of me and there were disciples there that couldn't fully fathom that in the gospel of john and they they were like this this is too much for me i'm out this, this is what's happening with with some of these people the, the truth has been presented before them and they're walking away but the author what he's doing is he's encouraging those uh, who have stopped running well for whatever reason it may be and he wants to encourage them to run well. So he says, remember those days when you were doing so well in your faith walk. Remember those days. You see, the idea of uh, my example of, of my family members pointing back to remembering the good old days. Now, what, what in the Greek, this remember, is to carefully reconstruct to put it back together, thinking through a deep thinking to go, now, what was I doing back then that helped me to run really well? What was I doing then that I'm not doing now? Interesting, isn't it? Because as I've worked through... um, you know, all of my years and my experience as a pastor, I can always pinpoint to a position where people were running well in their race and then when they stopped running well. A couple of things always come forward. One, there's some sort of attack by the enemy that has brought them to the position of uh, becoming maybe apathetic to the things of the Christian world. Uh, Sometimes there's... Arguments and and discussions and debates within churches where people see Christians going at each other, and fighting and quarreling that turns them off to running well. The other thing is major news and difficulty within their lives. I've I've never fully grasped because maybe I've never had uh, difficulty. Um, to the greatest extent of where I've been told I only have four to six months to live, and therefore, uh, because of the four to six months to live, uh, I'm not sure how to uh, process that, and I can run from the church instead of run to the church for support. Uh, Just this past uh, week, I received a testimony from a woman in British Columbia whose husband was diagnosed with cancer, And uh, he passed away in May. But what she said in her uh, testimony was that there are people who do become very isolated when they get that news. There are people that do run from God. There are people that do question God. But it was very interesting, the statement she said. She said, it wasn't me. That was not my scenario. My scenario was to run to God and hang on the promises that come from his word. You see, often when we're confronted with those things, we run from the word of God. And it's the word of God that's going to continue to keep us in a position of running strong and running with that passion. Might it be that these people in the book of Hebrews were starting to fall from the truth, hear other things that were questioning how they were supposed to be living and living by faith? What the author says is, remember back. Carefully reconstruct to what you were doing well. What I've done when I've sat with people in my office, I've asked them that. What's your relationship with the word of God? You see, what happens is, is new believers, they start digging into everything they possibly can. They start to put all of it together and they get hungry for the word of God. But as we progress, we start to find other things. We start to find other things that fill our time. It blows my mind the number of people that I run into on a regular basis that tell me they don't have time to study the Word of God. Have you ever wondered why you're not running well? Why you keep going through the pits and valleys of life? That there's so many ups and downs? It's the Word of God that's the foundation that holds us in our strength. It gives us the strength to be able to handle these difficult situations. Like, listen again to what these people were going through. Uh, They were enduring a great conflict of suffering, verse 32. Made a public spectacle. They were going through tribulations. Uh, They, at one time, were actually loving on prisoners. Wait a minute, check this one out. They accepted joyfully the seizure... Of their property. Yes, I own that. But you want it? Have it. Why? Because I got something better coming for me in heaven. And at some point, these people forgot what's coming for them. That the author of Hebrews had to say, remember. Remember back when you were doing all of that? Remember when you had that eternal perspective and you were running well because you knew that nothing on this earth was more worthy than the possession that you were going to receive in the future now i've stated this a number of times on the podcast in a number of different series Uh, jesus says in revelation behold i'm coming soon well if you're in the midst of a race when is coming soon I mean, this is the statement that we all hang on to. We want Jesus to return. In light of our culture right now, there's nothing greater than I want than for Jesus to come back and reign on this earth. We are such a sin-filled culture that creation is groaning at what is going on around us. So much so that we really have a problem with evil in this world. And that's a great opportunity for me to plug where we're headed in our next podcast is what is the problem with evil and how do we deal with that? You want to join Nathan, Randall, and I as we work through that series. But in light of that, behold, I am coming soon. This is written over 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation and we have yet to see Christ return. But we have to live with faith. In knowing that that promise is true. That he will return. And the race is long. And we have to endure. You see, that's what he says here. He says, for you have a need of endurance. So when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back... My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. We have two groups of people here in the text. One, those who live by faith and persevere until the return of Jesus Christ, in which they will receive the reward. Two, the second group of people, those who shrink back to destruction. What he's talking about here is apostasy. He's not talking about people who can lose their salvation. He's talking about people that never had their salvation. He's talking about people that have had all the truth before them, right in front of their very eyes, and they chose to reject the gospel truth and walk away. They shrink back to destruction. So the encouragement is, remember the days when you were running well. Run well, people. Run well when you were running with faith. Run well when you were running with an eternal perspective. Now, the really cool thing about this next part of the section of verses is what he says is he says, Remember when you were doing it? And then he goes on to show us a number of people who ran well And ran by faith. I heard another pastor say this. This is not my um, quote. But what he said was of Hebrews 11. When you can't remember when you were running well. When the days when you had great fire in passion. He said remember the others who also ran well. When you can't hang on to your faith when you were running well, hang on to somebody else's for a while, is the quote that he gave. And that's why Hebrews 11 is there. Look what he says in Hebrews 11 when it comes to faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for in the conviction of things not seen. For by by faith, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by God, by the word of God, so that it was seen and was not made of things by which are visible. The author's going to go on, and he's going to walk through all of chapter 11, and he's going to keep bringing forward this statement, by faith, by faith, by faith. And he's going to walk through people like Noah and Moses and Abraham and Enoch, and he's going to progress through The chapter, And we're not going to be able to cover the entire chapter in the time that we have. But I want you to go back. If you're driving in your car or if you are listening at work, take some time and go back and look through Hebrews 11. And if you walk through and list out everything in Hebrews 11, you will notice something. You will notice that every individual in Hebrews 11 was an individual who walked by faith. And lived by faith. They lived in the promises of God. Two, that as Hebrews 11 progresses, you will notice that the examples of the individuals become more focused on the suffering that they faced and how they lived by faith in light of their persecution. By coming to the end of Hebrews chapter 11, you will see that the description of the people in Hebrews 11 points to those who even faced death and persecution and suffering still lived by faith in the eternal promise. I mean, it's phenomenal how this is all put together, starting right with creation, walking all the way through the entire Bible— Going from Genesis 1 in by faith, we know that God spoke creation into existence. He walks through all of the individual patriarchs of the faith in Hebrews 11, and then he comes right square into the New Testament believers and how they were facing death for walking by faith. You see, this is what he's calling you to right back in Hebrews 2. 10 verse 32, remember the days when you were running well, when you were uh, going strong, when you were living by faith, when you had this eternal perspective. Remember those days? Hey, can't remember those days? Go hang on to the guys who ran by faith that walked the race before you. Remember Abraham, how he left his town? He left everybody behind. How he was given an heir. Remember him? The Bible says, remember what God did for him? The father? Remember Noah? When judgment was coming, that God told him that his life would be spared. That, you know, as the movies show it, because we weren't there, right? That Noah began to build an ark on a sunny day. Not a cloud in the sky. That he was mocked for building the ark. That a flood was coming. And yet by faith in God. Built the ark. And then we saw what happened. What about Moses by faith. That God would give him everything he needed. To be able to release the Israelites from captivity. It's. Quite the amazing chapter. We call it the Hall of Faith. I love it. I love walking through. Um, If you walk through Hebrews 11, just between verses 8 and verse 17, eight times you see promise, reward, or inheritance. Uh, The entire chapter, let me count them out for you, just so you can see how many times it's referred to as this reward that comes. And so, um, chapter 11, verse 8, he is to receive an inheritance. Uh, Chapter, or verse 9, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. By faith, Sarah herself received, in verse 11, the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time. She considered him faithful who had promised Uh, verse 13 all these died in faith without receiving the promises but have seen them having welcomed them from a distance for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own and indeed they have been thinking of that country from which they went out if they had been thinking of that country which they went out they would have had the opportunity to return But as they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. He prepared a city for them. You know what's amazing about that? Abraham's promised a land that they will go to, Israel. They're not looking to that land as the promised land. They're looking to the one that's prepared for them beyond the inheritance that they will receive, the promise of the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. Uh, go back to Genesis. It was reckoned that to him that Abraham was considered righteous by his faith, not by anything that he did. Verse 26, consider the reproach of Christ's greater riches, than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 33 Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, uh, shut the mouths of lions. Uh, verse 35 Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they may obtain a better resurrection. Uh, verse 39, all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not, uh, they would not be made perfect. You know what's crazy about this is everybody living prior to the cross did not receive what you and I have. We have something better. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. I feel like for us, it's important for us to be even better examples than those who have gone before us. I mean, those are stalwarts in the Bible. Those are people we go to all the time. Paul always referred back to Abraham. They are great examples of people who are living by faith. We should watch those examples. We should use them and... uh, pattern our lives after how they walked in faith, stepped out in faith. I always go back to Abraham and I think about two things. One, if I was told to walk away from my entire family and follow after God and take my wife with me, would I do it? Two, would I put my son on the altar to be sacrificed? Do I have the faith to know that, you know what? One, God could raise him from the dead. Or two, he could stop it. Am I living by that kind of faith? Am I walking worthy in the things that I do? I mean, at Precept, in just the last few months, we, we've taken a huge faith step, and I'll be honest and transparent with you right on this podcast. I'm sort of still wavering in this step of faith. I have seen over the last... Five or six years that I've been the national director of this ministry that God has provided abundantly beyond whatever I could ask or imagine. And yet there are still times when we make a decision here that I still waver and I can't figure out why I waver. It's my human flesh that's taking over. But we have stepped out in a big way and offered free training to the entire country. That's thousands and thousands of dollars We're we're predicting and we're putting together that we think it's going to be around $40,000 that that's going to cost Precept this year to do free training. I don't know if you know this, but it is super expensive to travel in this country. It is much more expensive to travel in this country than it is to travel in the United States. But we're stepping out in faith, asking the Lord to provide... All of the funds needed so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the faith that we're called to. Lord, you say in the scriptures that you will provide. We believe that you will provide. And so we're going to do this in this way so we can make the maximum impact on people in 2020. We want thousands of people to engage in relationship with God through knowing his word. And we want to remove every obstacle We want to remove the issues of time from three-day workshops and two-day workshops. We can do workshops in three hours and even one hour. We want to remove the obstacle of cost. But you see, removing the obstacle of cost, that's the faith step for us because we know that when we put a cost behind it, one, people will always show up for the training. Two, that those costs cover the expenses of the training, but now we 're stepping out into a position of where there 's two things: will people continue to show up if it doesn 't cost? will they see the value in attending the training, and two, will the expenses to travel across the country be cost be covered? This is huge; this is one of those moments like Abraham and And that we need to walk by faith. Hey, if we're going to talk about walking by faith from the scripture, we actually need to do it ourselves as the example. And here we go. Walk by faith in this ministry. What we have found historically through precept is that when we walk by faith, in those moments where we are doing faith-based ministry, not relying on what's in the bank account, not relying on all of the individuals out there to make sure everything is taken care of. But when we walk by faith, God has blessed us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. 2019 was our best year in the 30 plus years that we have been in existence here in Canada. Precept Ministries in the U.S., 50 years old this year. In light of the culture that we're in, God continues to bless ministry that is focused on teaching people how to study the Bible when there has not been a hunger for people to do that. It's absolutely amazing. Walk by faith. Remember the days? We actually reconstructed here and in the United States. When we were having our best years, what were we doing? What were we doing so that we could run well? Well, you know what we weren't doing? What we were doing was we were relying completely on God. We were relying completely on him to provide every dollar to be able to do ministry in this country. Remember the days when you were running well. Maybe that's what you need to do. Well, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to end up here. In Hebrews chapter 12, he gives us three ways to run and live by faith. This is my favorite part. I'm hoping, you know, folks, I'm hoping we can get through this in the next five or six minutes. Now, we always take Hebrews chapter 11, and, and you know, I'm guilty of this as a pastor, is we just, we just pull Hebrews 11 and we just keep it by itself, you know, we... If we're going to talk about living by faith, we're just going to talk about Hebrews 11, and we're going to point out all those great people. Uh, I'm going to give you a quote really quickly uh, about Hebrews 11, and then we'll dig into 12. Uh, This uh, one commentary wrote, It's more natural in light of a chapter as a whole. So the whole chapter of 11. It's more natural in light of the chapter as a whole to think of verse 1 as a summary of what faith does. Faith binds the believer securely to the reality of what he does not yet see, but for which he hopes. This is the definition of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But look, verse 2, by it men gain approval. This is how we have to walk. We have to walk by faith. Now, the practical, because we always hold Hebrews 11 separately and we don't put it together If you look at chapter 12, verse 1, it starts with a term of conclusion. If the term of conclusion is a summarizing, what's it summarizing? Previous verses. Now look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin so that easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, okay, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, who are your great cloud of of witnesses? Hebrews chapter 11. They're your great cloud of witnesses. They're the examples of the one who walked by faith on the other side of the promise that you have something better so when you can't find the joy of when you were walking in your faith, remember and walk in the faith of others. So the term of conclusion here is, look what he says. Uh, you've got a great cloud of witnesses, great examples who have walked by faith before you. Uh, let us, all right, so here's, here's the, uh, the instruction or the exhortation. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. So the first, okay, so if you're a person who likes to write notes, I've written this in the margin of my Bible. I think you should write this in the margin of your Bible, okay? Point number one, garbage day. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, why would I want to write garbage day in the margin of my Bible? Well, here's why. Think about garbage day for a minute. Okay, One comes every week. Hopefully, somewhere all across Canada you all, you all have garbage day once a week. I have garbage day once a week. So every Sunday my daughter's job and her chore in the house is to go around the house and empty every garbage can that we have and put it into a bag. So she takes every can and empties the trash. I mean, You probably do the same, right? You collect up all the garbage. You put it all in the bag. You tie up the bag. And then, uh, if you're in a city that doesn't have those giant pails that you can put it in and lock it down, you, you might run into issues with animals. And listen, I hate cleaning up after a raccoon or some animal has been in the garbage. So I make sure I put the garbage out the same day the truck comes. But... That's not the point. The point is I grab that bag that my daughters collected up all around the house of all the junk, the stuff that we don't want in our house. I take it down to the edge of the curb. I drop it on the curb. I walk back up to the house. I get into my car, and I drive to work. I come home, and that garbage bag's no longer on my boulevard. It's no longer on the grass in the front of my house. And you know what? I never even take a second thought of where that bag went. I just know that some guy drove by, picked it up, threw it in the back of the truck, and it's probably in a pile of thousands of other garbage bags in a dump. Well, how does that relate to what the author of Hebrews is telling us? Well, he's telling you to do garbage day in your life. He's telling you to gather up All the junk, all the sin, all the encumbrances, the things that weigh you down, the things that tie you up, the things that distract you and pull you away from running well in your race. And he says, get rid of it. It's garbage day. When was the last time you sat back and did a full evaluation of what's the junk in my life that I need to get rid of so that I can properly run by faith? Let me give you an analogy for a minute other than garbage day. I have done marathon running for a number of years in endurance sport and I love endurance sport. It's not an idol for me. It's, it's a stress reliever, but it's really great to train for it and then run the race. So I've done 15 marathons in my running career. Encumbrance by definition, is a weight or a millstone tied around your neck that is so heavy. In running, for every pound you are as a runner over the optimal body weight, it's about 10 to 20 seconds slower for your final race time per minute. So think about that. You're, for every minute you run and for every pound you are, for every kilometer, sorry. So for every kilometer, it's 10 to 20 seconds slower. Uh, Add that up over 42 kilometers, you're talking about a lot of time. And so if you were trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon where you needed a certain amount of time, can you see why distance runners want to be as light as they possibly can? Why they are so skinny? It's because they don't want anything weighing them down when they run the race. It's going to affect their time. It's going to affect their performance. It's much like that in the Christian life. When you are tied down with sin and things of the world and things that take higher priority than your relationship with God, things that take a higher priority than you running by faith, It's going to slow you down. You're not going to run well. It's going to be a hard race to run. Look, the race with endurance to the return of Jesus Christ or our calling home is tough enough already. It's a very difficult race to run. For some, it's shorter. For some, it's longer. But it's already difficult enough with what the world throws at you that don't you want to be in optimal shape and position to be able to run well and say no to those things that are around you? Look, get rid of the junk. It's garbage day. Psalm 19, David, he says, search my heart, O God. Search for the things that rule over me. Search for the things in my heart that are sin. Show me them so that I can get rid of them. When was the last time you prayed that to God? Get rid of the drunk. Garbage day. The second is this. Run with endurance. Run the race that is set before us. Because it's a long race, we need to run well. A marathon runner will spend up to 16, between 16 and 20 weeks preparing for their one race. There's so many factors that come into running that race. You've got to, you, what you can control is you can control what you do with your body, what you put in it. You can control the training that you do. You can't control injuries that might come about. You can't control the weather that is around you. But you've got to run with endurance. I ran the Chicago Marathon in 2016 or 2017, and it poured rain for the first 22 miles. My shoes weighed almost 10 pounds at the end of the race. I could barely walk to the car. I was in so much pain from running that race. But you know what was so great? Was that I actually ran across the finish line. And I kept thinking to myself as I was running in the rain, in the pouring rain, in the freezing cold. In October, Canadian Thanksgiving, my family's all back home eating turkey and stuffing and having a blast, and I'm torturing myself in the pouring rain. My shoes are heavy. My feet are soaking wet. I can barely walk at the end of this race, but I crossed the line, and I drove home, with a finisher's medal around my neck. What a feeling that was to be able to finish and endure that race. You would not believe the number of times as I was running that race that I wanted to quit. I thought to myself, it is so easy for me right now to just step to the side and walk away. One time in my 10-year running career, I had a do not I did not finish race. And you would not believe how that took a mental toll on me wanting to ever do it again. From quitting. Think about run with endurance. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. You see, that's the third part. First, get rid of the junk. Two, run with endurance. Three, verse two, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before us endured the cross. Eternal perspective. This is what the author of Hebrews is calling us to. Live by faith with a focus on the coming promise instead of what's going on around you now. Have an eternal perspective. I remember running a race in Toronto one time. 42.2-kilometer race. Whoever designed the race course of that event had you run by the finish line in the first 15 kilometers. Oh, what a mental strain that was to know that I still had 27 kilometers still to run. I had seen the finish line. I knew what it looked like. I knew it was coming at the end, which is usually a really nice medal and a banana. Can you believe you run a marathon for a nice medal and a banana? Anyway, but I could see it. And then when I got out, I hit 32 kilometers. And they have, with marathon runners and distance athletes, they have what they call the wall. Your body usually hits the wall. And if you can press on through that wall and endure through that wall, you know you can get to the end saw the finish line. I knew what the prize looked like. I knew what was coming before me. But when I hit that wall, oh my goodness. The pain, the thoughts that went through my mind. And then I just clicked back. You know what the finish line looks like. You know where it is. It's only this much that I need to do. It's only two more hours of running Before I cross that line and it's all over. You got this. You can do this. So I kept my mind focused on the finish line. And then when I got there, oh, what joy there was when I finished. That's what the greatest part of all this is. Imagine finishing in the Chicago Marathon with over a million people on the streets. And you cross that finish line with over 100,000 people cheering you across. You want that? I mean, that is phenomenal. What more will be waiting for you when you endure to the end, keeping an eternal uh, perspective, keeping your eyes on Jesus when you get to the end? You know who's waiting there for you? Jesus. There's no metal that's going to rust up. My wife's asked me in the past what I'm going to do with them all. I've said just... Tuck them in the casket with me. I'll take them. But they rust. They're destroyed. They're no good. But at the end of the race, when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, He's there waiting for us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have endured. Walk through the book of Revelation. Who has an ear? Let him hear those who endure. Endure to the end. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, how do you fix your eyes on Jesus in 2020? Okay, well, he's not present with us. He's at the right hand of the Father. The best way to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus is keep your face in the 66 books of the Bible. Keep digging in to God's word. And God's word will continue to give you an eternal spe- perspective. Now, here's what we can also remember about Jesus. He is the author and the protector of our faith. Uh, he designed the race. He ran the race. He conquered the race. Just think about that for a minute. He Designed it, he ran it, and he conquered it. Why do you want to keep your eye on him? Because he won it. He won the race. This is what I love as a runner. When I have other runners come in behind me, people who want to learn to run and want information about a race, do you know what I've done? I can walk them through, kilometer by kilometer, what's going to happen in that race. Why? Because, well, I didn't make the race, but I ran the race, and I finished the race. Fix your eyes on the one who designed it, ran it, conquered it. And you'll be able to run and endure. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He got his reward. He got back to where he wanted to be. John 17, Father, glorify me. Bring me home. The work was done on the cross, and he was brought back home. The call for us is to endure. When you're having a difficult time running well and enduring, remember back to the days when you were running well. If you're having difficulty remembering and reconstructing the days when you were running well, look to those people who ran well in Hebrews 11. And then run that race. Run with faith. Run with endurance. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for the time that we have today. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to endure Help us to remember and reconstruct when we ran well. Father, I pray that those individuals listening to this would evaluate their hearts. That they would get your Holy Spirit to convict them in areas where they need to be convicted. For Father, today is garbage day. Today is the day we get rid of the sin and the encumbrances that entangle us so that we can run well that we can obtain the inheritance that's been set before us. Father, help us to run well. In Jesus' name,